are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? You know, Jeff, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I, I, I was recently um, uh, guesting on a podcast, and um, I think I was like half coming down with a cold at the time or something. But uh, the, the, the host was thinking that I had a Leonard Cohn-esque voice, which I don't, but I loved getting the compliment at the time. <laughs> and I'm now thinking that I want to just – I may take up smoking just so that I can get a really raspy voice for these things. I, I mean, I think – Was Leonard a smoker? Or did well, he just have know. a great voice? Just had a great voice. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not fam- – he, he had to have been a smoker. Well, he's from Montreal. He's, yeah, and he's very cool. Where he was. <laughs> like, so it's kind of like I don't one kind of begets the other. But I think that's just the way it was, though, at the time. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, we can try to work on our radio voices maybe for another episode. For another episode. But I, I think we have somebody on the podcast today who's at least as cool as Leonard Cohen. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, that that's certainly, uh, you know, a plus for us. Yeah. Anyway, um, so joining us today is David Holliday. David is the 58th most visionary marketer in packaging and part of the superhero leadership team at Promoc Labeling and Coding, also known as the director of product marketing there. Uh, welcome to the Ring, David. Hey, thank you so much. It's it's very good to be here. Very much appreciated. Uh, for our uh, listeners, you, you should know that um, this recording of the Cooler Ring is intended to propel David's career into the 40s of the most visionary marketers in packaging versus the current 58th rank. So we're excited for that. Yeah, no, and I, I think we can really push this. I think so. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> David, um, David, would you uh, do us the favor of uh, introducing yourself and tell us a bit about your work at Promoc and maybe a bit of what the company is? Absolutely. I'll be very happy to do that. Um, Promark is a packaging equipment and services company. We're actually quite large in the packaging industry. We have, um, I believe, a shade over 3,000 employees and a total of over 40 manufacturing plants. So we're hugely committed to manufacturing. Our manufacturing plants are mainly in North America, but we also have facilities in Italy, France, Spain, and China, and I believe Brazil as well. And there's going to be more in the not too distant future, I'm sure. But my part of Promark is Promark Labeling and Coding, which is one of six business lines that make up our organization. And we basically are involved in labeling and identifying products and that can be labeling for marketing reasons with you know, attractive um, flexo or digital labels put onto bottles and other kinds of products. Um, a lot of our business is labeling for supply chains with barcoding for tracking and tracing of, of where products are and also general um, product coding. So putting date and lock codes and barcodes on all kinds of products. So our customers are food and beverage, um, CPGs, medical companies, pharmaceutical companies, a very wide range. And I'm actually quite a new boy in the organization. I worked for a very small company in New Hampshire, around about 20 people, that was acquired by Promark. And we were rolled into the ID Technology brand, which is where I am today. Um, and I am involved as part of the team in product management and marketing for our ID technology, Gradon, EPI, and CodeTech brands. So we've got an awful lot of good things going on, 
and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to about some of those during this session. Well, with any luck at all. Um, thank you for that overview. It's um, it, but uh, interesting to 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 ask uh, well a number of things. But uh, one of the things that we we chatted about in the in the work up to the show was uh, this kind of. Um, really a long-standing commitment that you've had and kind of passion towards social started with blogging, um, which I think is still on the go. Uh, and uh, so I guess um, talk to me a, a bit about um, the kind of the early days. I think the, the blogging uh, piece of your um, work really started uh, back when you were at 20 person firm in New Hampshire. And now it's now been leveraged and taken forward into the Promoc brand. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And our um, company blog, or the blog of labeling and coding, is um, very imaginatively called labelingnews.com. And I actually started it way back in 2007. So I think I could claim to have been involved in content marketing since probably before Al Gore invented it, if, if true, if truth be known. <laughs> and, nice. and one of the main reasons for doing that was that at that time in the very small business, um, I was sales manager at the time, but finangled my way into handling marketing as well. And basically, we had no budget for marketing or very, very little. So a lot of the more traditional marketing activities tend to need budgets to carry those out. One of the cool things with social and with blogging, back, certainly back in those early days, was that the the cost really was was time and effort rather than dollars. So for a small company, that was a real good way to get to get started. So I started the labeling news blog back in 2007, and I actually checked yesterday just so that I, I would have some answers ready for today. And we have over 900 articles published in labeling news. Um, I'd be the first to admit that they're a very varying quality. But um, there's there's over 900, 900 of them, and it's for a long time been the centerpiece of what we use for our digital marketing, both in the previous company and here here at Promark. Would you say that uh, that your uh, proficiency with social and and with content creation was one of the things that made uh, the company you were with in New Hampshire appealing to Promark? I think that we had a number of reasons that, that we appealed to Promark. Um, one of our goals in, in Promark that's a goal to this day is to expand our network of um, label converting or label manufacturing plants. And that's basically what we had in, in New Hampshire. Um, today, Promark has a total of seven label manufacturing plants. In fact, we acquired a new business that gave us number seven just, just last week. So, so that's a growing part of, of what we do. But I, I, I like to think, and there's, there's no one here to contradict that, so I think I can safely say it, is that the marketing programs that we'd put together and the visibility that we were able to build up for such a small entity was, was something that Promark found attractive among other among other things, so yes, I think I think that's probably quite true. Yeah, I mean, I think that it um, it can really help you punch above your weight, especially in a category or general industry environment that really isn't uh, all that uh, hip to blogging in two thousand and seven. Yeah. That's for sure, and and even now, yeah, I mean, it's it certainly you know to 
to be consistent enough over 12 years to produce over 900 pieces of content is, you know, it's remarkable. Yeah. It doesn't, uh, it's very difficult to kind of see the value and understand it without having been doing it for that long. You know what I mean? Well, let's talk about that. What yeah. have, when you look at the long-term value of the blog, uh, where, how, would you, how would you express that? I, I think that it has a, a lot of value and, and has done for some some time. And to, to me, one of, one of the, the great things, certainly with, with getting started with that, um, apart from the fact that for the cost of just a hosting account, you can, you can set up something like that for virtually, virtually for free. What, what I really like, and this is where I think having your own blog is, is, a, is a step above posting to any of the social networks, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes, is that it's a piece of property that you basically own. And you don't have to worry about changes in algorithms or annoying a social media site and them deleting your account or, or, or anything like that. So it's, it's a piece of, of online property that you own, rather like a more traditional website. But you can also be way more creative in the kind of content that you put there and try and steer it towards what you believe customers in certain positions are likely to have an, have an interest in. And so I've always used it as a centerpiece of the digital marketing program. So having a content on the labeling news site is really worked out well because we can link to it from the company LinkedIn account, um, our individual link, LinkedIn accounts, from other social media accounts, and also use it for downloads of documents and information and, and things like that. So I think there's a lot of value that can be gotten out of it. But I also believe that if anyone sort of thinks it's instant gratification and you can write a few blog posts and start seeing some results tomorrow, I think that person is going to be out of luck. I, I think today, especially where so many organizations are producing content hand over fist, you know, it does become one of those long, long-term games for sure. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you used to cre um, kind of come up with and create content for the blog versus maybe how you do it today. Okay. What I used, to, what I would very much used to do is my content would quite often be very focused. And in fact, it still is today, if I'm, if I'm honest, on particular industries and particular problems that I would think that people in those industries would be likely to have. Um, one, one example, um, back, in, back in my previous company, we did quite a lot of work with um, RFID labeling for the Department of Defense contractors. Um, the Department of Defense has some rather complicated labeling rules that all of their contractors have to comply with. And a lot of them are confused, as are the people inside the Department of Defense who manage the contracts as well. So we used our labeling news platform as a way to educate people in those industries. And we'd also use it to publicize um, local seminars that we'd put on for people in, in the defense industry or contractors to the defense industry. And that actually started almost from the beginning back in 2007. And ironically, I actually had someone contact me by email, um, believe it or not, this very morning, who was looking for some information, having read a post that I posted on Labeling News in, I think, 2009, 2010. So 
by making the content very specific to problems that people have, I think you can get a huge amount of value for that over a long period of time, which um, I think I think is really good is really cool. That is cool. I, I love um, I love when you can also tie it into a sales process, or you know, when when you're when you're asked a question during a sales process, and you can point the prospect to a blog post that you wrote about it 10 years ago you know it just shows that you were thinking about it a lot longer than just uh just uh, entered their uh, mind 10 minutes ago yeah yeah <laughs> and, and it just establishes a lot of instant credibility i think i think so i think that's worked really really well for us and also you know i look at a lot of corporate blogs and one of the things that i i'm a big consumer of of content as as well as a as as a um, someone who's who's making content, so I'm always reading and looking at, at what other people are doing, and I still see so many blogs and, and other content that almost seems to be more like a press release for the company rather than content that's aimed to what the intended user is likely to be interested in. And you know, not to say that that um, press releases for the company are bad. I mean, heck, we do we do a lot of them, but there's a place for those. And there's a place, I think, for the more conversational type blog content. Yeah, I think it can, you know, the, the for me, the purpose of a blog has always been to provide answers to questions and uh, and create things that, that couldn't otherwise be found out there and to put your perspective on that. And I, I really agree with you that that's, you know, a great place to start when it comes to crafting and creating this content. Um, what would you... Uh, say are some of the more popular posts that you've had and, and in terms of traffic and, and how old would those posts be? Um, that's, that's, a great, that's a great question. And in fact, the most popular post on our site and out of those 900 or so of them is, is a post that um, somebody who used to work part-time for us actually made many years ago, probably at least 10 years ago. And it was on the topic of what do you do when your barcodes don't scan? Which obviously is a problem that many people at various stages of the supply chains have. You have a barcode, you, either you've printed it or somebody else has printed it on your package and you try to read it and it, and it doesn't scan. And what, what are the reasons for that? And that's actually been, ever since we, we posted that, um, really popular. It probably accounts for about 20, 25% of our total page views. So, so that, that's, been, that's been really, really popular. I get, actually get a load of emails from people that have read it asking me for technical support on various um, obscure barcode scanners and things like that that they, that they might have. But it's, it's generated um, leads of, of different levels of quality from day one for probably 10 years. Um, we do go back and update it from, from time to time. I'm always afraid of scaring it, of, of updating it too much because Google obviously likes that page. And I'm somewhat afraid of changing the fundamental things that Google likes. But I do try and keep it updated from, from time to time. And it's, perform, it's performed really well. And we have some others sort of similar to that that, that have performed really well, too. Um, interestingly, the ones that I write specifically with the intention of them performing well in Google often are the ones that don't. And it seems to be the ones that are more organically written to solve the problems of a customer are the ones that, that work best and get the best visibility. So there's probably a lesson there, I think. 
you know, it's a, uh, I don't, I don't know how often I hear that, but it's, 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 it's just across the uh, digital marketing disciplines. It's just like <laughs> the thing that you think is going to land. move the needle or land versus the thing that actually does. Um, yeah. They're always two different things. Well, and I mean, that's the thing with, with blogging is that you end up creating a ton of content with really, you know, even with 12 years experience doing it, you still cannot sit down and suggest, okay, I'm going to write this piece and know for absolute certain that it's going to produce the kinds of results that you may have gotten with the, why don't my barcode scan piece? Like you just don't know. That's exactly right. Um, Which is why you have to create a lot of content, I guess, because half of them are going to be dead. And it's a bit of a religious (laughs) endeavor, you know, you need to believe in it uh, in order to invest in it for 10 years. Right. And no, it's, um, if you're making decisions about ROI next quarter, this isn't the conversation you should be listening to. No, exactly. David, you may, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that you mentioned you do go back and update those posts. And, and you know that, that's always uh, fraught with worry that, that you might wreck what made it actually popular. But what are the kinds of things that you look for in your analytics or in the emails you get from potential customers or leads that uh, that give you the fodder that you need in order to update that post? Or is it primarily going back and just, you know, making sure that you're referencing modern technical machines or, or, or something? Okay. It, that, that's, that's an interesting question. And how much time I spend on all of these things is, is obviously very contingent on other things I'm working on at the time. Um, marketing's not a full-time career for me, actually. Um, the biggest part of my business here is actually product management. So we have a, t- a team of people that, that that's my team of, of really good product managers here, and we manage um, seven or eight dif- different types of, of um, printing or labeling product. So I spend a lot of time in, in, in that area day, day to day, as well as what I try to do on, on, on the marketing side and other things that, that I get to do in the company. In fact, I think um, I, I was introduced to um, some, some people that were here the other day as, as the person in the organization who probably has a, the most fun at work. And I think that's because I get to get involved in, in just about everything to, to some extent. So there was a time when I used to agonize over my analytics for websites and, and the blog and, and things like that. Um, here at Promark, being a much larger company, we have... Um, a partner, a third-party company who does a fantastic job with managing the SEO and the analytics and putting the reports together for all of the Promark websites, of which we have a lot. So I don't get involved in, in that to the same extent that, that I have in the, in the past. So I'm not ag- agonizing over what the um, analytics are and, and what's performing. So when I write something as a blog post, it's usually something that I think is going to be useful for somebody, whether it's talking about something new in the technology-wise, whether it's talking about things that are happening in, in, the, in the industry generally. And I'm, I must admit, I'm probably winging it more than, more than I have in the, in the past. And I've also branched out into some other things now. Um, I don't think I'm at the point where I'm competing with, with you folks um, podcast level, but we also have a labeling news podcast that I've been putting together over the, over the, last, over the last few months. And that fit, actually fits in very well with the labeling news, the blog, the blog as well, because there's more content that can be shared between, between the two. So I'm not 
sort of micromanaging my analytics and tr deliberately trying to make content to work well that way, probably because the ones where I didn't do that seem to be the ones that work the best. So I'm doing, I'm really producing content that I think is going to work for people who might be interested in it. And then we'll just see what happens. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm it's a lovely um uh instruction for folks i think uh just um if you approach it without uh with that sentiment you're you're likely to get um uh i guess it's kind of like get more flies with honey kind of uh, approach <laughs> um, i like it let's talk about the transition to podcasting here a bit um it, it um it strikes me that I mean, because blogging is a, I mean, the heyday of blogging is a long time ago in a land far away. And I feel in some ways once Google Re Reader was killed and whatever, I don't know, it just seemed like uh, the, that magic that happened at that point in Web 2.0 kind of started going away. But And podcasts were around then, but now they're much larger resurgence, right? Um, in some ways, I wonder if it's just all of us that loved blogs, maybe maybe we're just inherently drawn to podcasts now or something. But anyway, um, talk to me about the transition from, or not so much transition, but the, the shift in how you're in, in making content and what your experience has been thus far, because I know an awful lot of manufacturers out there uh, are starting podcasts. Um, uh, you know, I, I chat out with, with them literally weekly. Um, and uh, I think a lot of our just would, would be interested to hear the experience in the early days that, that, that you've had. Okay. And, and my early days are still very early days. I believe I have something six or seven episodes at the moment. Um, it's been a while since the last one. So I'm, I'm slacking there. And I remember reading in more than one place that most podcasts are abandoned after the seventh episode. So I, I need to I need to get my my act together on that. But you need to get over this hump, Dave. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I I need to do it. In fact, I, I've got um, sort of outlines in place for four or five more that I keep tinkering with, but never quite doing. So I I really do need to need to get my act together. I think it's it's. In, in, to some extent, you know, after blogging and putting content together and doing these 900 or so posts, it, it does get to the point, I think, sometimes where something sort of new is a little bit enticing. And so that's, I think, why, I, why I've drifted over to, to that area. Um, I, I listen to quite, quite a lot of, of podcasts where I actually get quite, quite, a, quite a lot of, um, of encouragement from Although I was listening to a Gary Vee podcast yesterday where he claims that we all need to do 100 pieces of content a day. And I don't think that's going to be happening over here anytime soon. Yeah, we <laughs> or, can, or we, we can mute him to, him to do that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, or, or his team. <laughs> but um, but in, in our case, you know, what, one of the things that, that I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in, and, and I'm, I think I'm maybe jumping to something else that, that may... may we may discuss it a little bit further into this, but one of the things I'm a huge believer in is producing content 
that people on our team can share and amplify. And whether that's, you know, something on, on the blog or whether it's something that, that's a podcast, which always finds its way onto, onto, the, onto the blog as well, obviously. So, so producing the kind of things that people on, on, on our sales teams, on our marketing team would find interesting enough to, to, want, to want to share and hopefully inspire them to do some, some similar things themselves um, is, is I, think, I think, important. And as, you know, like all companies, as, as us older guys gradually fade away and younger people come, come, onto, the, come onto the team, then People are always more interested in some newer ideas and podcasting and video casting perhaps is, is um, something that is going to replace the basic blogging to some extent in the, in the future. I'd be curious, uh, this first six or seven episodes that you've done, what, what have they been about generally? Can you give us an example? Yeah, so I tend to always to focus on things that I think are important. So some of them have been um, sustainability in, in, in the packaging world, sustainability is something that's actually brought packaging into the mainstream media over, over, the, over the last couple of years. So, so sustainability is, is, is a big one. Um, serialization and traceability is a big one. Um, just about every industry now is looking at serializing their products and putting track and trace systems in place. Um, that was led by the pharmaceutical and the medical device industry, um, but that's also coming in more into the food industry and other, con and other consumer products. Uh, barcodes is an important thing for us. Just about everything we do includes bar barcoding of one, of one sort or another. So in these uh, episodes, are you interviewing other um, uh, company team members or outside guests, or are you waxing poetic uh, uh, solo? How does this, uh, what's the format of the show? Um, so far, in just these few um, episodes, there's really been all of the above. Um, there's been some with um, other people in the industry that, that, we, that we have a relationship with. Um, one very much on sustainability. Um, some of our products are laser printers that don't need any consumables, are very environmentally friendly, don't use any inks or chemicals or, or things like that. So there's some interviews with some folks from, from that industry. There's um, some, an interview with somebody from the label printing and barcoding industry. Uh, we did one on the topic of um, labeling and coding for one of my favorite industries, the craft beer industry, where the, the victim who was my interviewee for that was actually somebody who's part of our, of our sales team, of our sales team here. And then there's been some where it's just been just myself talking, hopefully not too boring that people switch, switch away. So it's, 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 kind, it's kind of mixed up. Um, one of the things that I want to do is as we grow the podcast and, you know, being uh, Promark, having 30 brands and a lot of people that are experts in their niches of the packaging industry, I think I have a lot of potential people to, to get, bring onto the show but I wanted to make sure that I was better at doing it before I started doing interviews with people remotely using something like Zencaster or Zoom or something like that. The interviews I've done so far, we've had the luxury of being in the same room. That's interesting. I must say I, um, I've done, done them both ways. I, I'm not sure that I find the in-person ones to be easier. 
certainly um, ha- it presents weird challenges from an audio perspective. So yeah, yeah. So I do think that it is common commonly thought though that um, being face to face is better than yeah, yeah, or somehow easier. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. I've always found that the case when it's when it actually comes to podcast production. But I, I do to the extent that our listeners care about that. But if yeah. you're looking to set up a podcast, just uh, food for thought, I suppose. Yeah. David, one of the other things that you've been championing, championing, what a hard word to say, uh, internally at Promoc is the use of LinkedIn and kind of from a social perspective. And you alluded to this a little bit ago when you were talking about creating content that your sales team can share on platforms like LinkedIn. What have you been bringing to Promoc uh, in terms of uh, uh, the promotion of LinkedIn as a tool? Okay, I've been a, been a champion of this because I'm a big believer that it's to everybody's advantage. And I think particularly if you work in, obviously, if you, if you work in marketing, it's a, it's a no-brainer. But I think for the people that are on our sales teams, I think having an, an active online presence and for business to business, clearly LinkedIn is where it's at at the moment. Obviously, that will change at some point and there'll be something different. But today, LinkedIn is, is where it's at. So I really encourage all, all of our all of our salespeople to get involved and, and build and build up their, their profile. And I see it often described as, you know, building your personal brand online, which I don't think anyone really knows what that what that means. So I think of it more as building your your online reputation and building a presence in the industry. Because I know that whenever you know, I have an interaction with anyone, whether they're trying to sell me something or whether they want to work here or anything like that, one of the first things I do is head off to LinkedIn and check out their profile and learn a bit about them. And if there's someone that's active there, great. You can see some of the things that they post about and some of the things that they're, that they're interested in. And it really lets you get to know people. So, so I really believe that that's a great way forward for, for our sales teams. So at every opportunity, whether it's at presentations, at our regional meetings, whether it's we do a, a monthly or a bi-monthly um, sales and marketing newsletter for all of our team, where I actually include, and I did one just, just a few weeks ago, including um, some examples of how interaction with a post on LinkedIn, if, if you can have two posts that are quite similar, but if one, say, has twice as much interaction, whether it's likes or shares or, or whatever, than the other one, just showing the number of views and how each one can, can grow, I think, I think is, quite, is quite astounding. And at least for today, it's free and it takes very, very little time. So, you know, I certainly wouldn't suggest that any of our salespeople stop going around the country and meeting face to face with their customers. But I think that them getting more involved in the social selling side, I think would be is a huge advantage for them and really can help them with those customer engagements by, by doing traditional sales and social selling and running them concurrently. Absolutely. And I would encourage folks to think about how they can extend that beyond the sales organization too, mm-hmm. into operations, engineering, et cetera. Um, some of those communities tend to 
congregate in different places. LinkedIn's one for sure, but you can even find very active um, uh, subreddits, et cetera, in certain more operational categories. But having kind of, as this, uh, the B2B buying group continues to increase in size and there's a lot of different people and a lot of different titles coming to the table to make buying decisions, it's important for organizations to look at how they can create those relationships and tentacles that, you know, beyond sales and, and, and marketing, even to, to the C-suite and to elsewhere within operations. So I think that's great. Right. Yes. But yes, very, very much so. And it's, it's like blogging and everything else in, in the digital marketing world is that you don't see instant ROI by putting some effort in on these areas. You know, it can, it can take a long time. So, some you know people can be somewhat skeptical about whether it's worth making making that that investment but i i honestly think that as long as you know it doesn't interfere with what your basic job functions are it can it can only be a win You're quite right um well, I- I think we're kind of coming to the end of our, our time here together. I'd just like to kind of close this out with a, one last question. What what are you, you've obviously been at this for a while and you have a lot of different roles within Promoc. You know, what are you excited about for the future uh, at Promoc and uh, and where what's next? Yes, actually, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And yes, I've been doing this stuff for a while. I actually started in the, the labeling and packaging business um, back in the 70s. So don't let anyone tell you that all of this digital stuff is just for young people. But <laughs> one of the, the cool things that's happening in Promark right now and, and is kind of being rolled out as we speak is because we're a company that's been built by acquisitions, um, we have a lot of different brands that have all been using their own sales, marketing or CRM solutions. And to get everything on one track we're rolling out um, Salesforce.com as our CRM for the whole company, which um, is going to be well, it's rolling out now, actually. I think we're due to be online with that sometime in, in November. And by sometime in the new year, the entire organization will be using Salesforce. So just that and being able to share information between the different brands in, in Promark is going to be huge. Then we're also, as part of the Salesforce install, we've invested in Pardot as well so that we can beef up on marketing automation and how we manage campaigns because today it's very arbitrary. And I've always been a big believer that um, what I always think of as micro-marketing, but I guess it's more commonly known as account-based marketing, of being able to tailor your marketing efforts to a particular industry or a particular company or a particular group of people in a company or maybe sometimes even to a particular one person is just so much more valuable than producing generic content and sending it out to hundreds or thousands of people and expecting to see some results for that because obviously you're not going to because we're really good at deleting things like that. So I'm really excited as to how we can start to use that and make our marketing, both our traditional marketing and our digital marketing, way more focused on the needs and solving the problems of particular groups of customers. I think I think that's going to be really, really big for us. It's going to be exciting uh, for you to have that uh, capability. I think an awful lot of uh, uh, manufacturing organizations that grow through M&A uh, find themselves in that disjointed tech stack world that you uh, are, are living in right now and just in the process of solving. So exciting time ahead. Exactly. 
yes, we're, we're very excited with that. And then also to add to that on the social selling side, we're, ex we're experimenting at the moment with um, LinkedIn Sales Manager, which I think will be um, a good complement to what we're doing on um, Pardot and as part of the as part of the Salesforce CRM. We're doing that on a pretty small scale at the moment, but if that if that goes well, and 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 I know that you know for LinkedIn Sales Navigator to really be effective it needs that the people that are using it to be active on LinkedIn in the first place. So I'm hoping that rolling out Sales Navigator will get more people active on LinkedIn too. So I see that as a win-win as a for Promark and a win for me as well. So Very cool. Well, well, thanks again for joining us today, David. It's been really interesting and, and exciting to hear about what you've been up to for, for, for such a long time and the successes you've had with it. And uh, thanks for joining us on The Cooler Ring. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for the invite. It was all good fun. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.